0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Welcome to the Kind Parenting Company podcast. I'm Jackie Ward, and I'm Kylie Camps. Join us as we explore topics and share evidence-based information, all while honouring our commitment to kind parenting practices. This is a safe space for conversation and reflections on parenting and motherhood, designed to best support you in raising your little loves and to be the parent you want to be.
0: We are so excited that you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. Today's podcast is a real mum chat.
1: I'm going to touch on topics such as mum guilt, how not to lose your shit, and also parenting without your ego attached, which is actually really, really tricky, but really, really important for the whole family. Before I touch on all of these topics, I want to be really, really clear with you and make sure anyone listening knows and understands I am not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I'm simply a mum who is just doing her best. I do have a penchant for research and I love to learn about personal growth and development and I'm really, really deeply interested in why humans do what we do and that carries over into my parenting as well. I never pretend to have all of the answers but I definitely feel like it is worth having conversations with different women about things that work well for them I know myself, I've learned so many things from other mums, and I think that if we can just have real conversations and share tips and techniques that have made a difference in our life, then there's no harm done. So if anything in this podcast sits well with you, absolutely try it. But like anything in life, if it doesn't sit well with you, then you don't need to even try it. It's just a conversation on these topics. And the reason I want to have these conversations comes from mums reaching out to me. I get so many direct messages and a consistent one that I've had for years now is asking the question if I ever lose my cool. And the answer is yes. Of course, I get to the point at times where I lose my cool, where I'm not as patient as I want to be, where I yell, where I raise my voice, and where I act in a way that I'm not really proud of. And it often has nothing to do with the kids, but they are the one that might they are the ones that may Push me over the edge, so to speak. And I think it's just so important to understand that no one out there is perfect. We all have moments where we lose our patience, we lose our shit, and we act in a way that we're not proud of. And for me, honestly, I've really learned to lean into those moments and be grateful for them. And a reason that I am grateful for them is they build so much empathy. I think. As an adult, if I can readjust myself and go, you know what, I'm nearly 32 and I just lost my cool, I have 32 years of life experience, I have pretty good cognitive function, I have an awareness of how the human brain works and I actually know deep down what's going on, I have all of this stuff there but I still got to the point where I got frustrated and I raised my voice, that gives me so much empathy for my kids. It makes me go, oh, you know what? I have an adult brain and I still get pushed over the edge. No wonder my toddlers, my kids, my babies get pushed over their own little edges as well. And no wonder they have tantrums and meltdowns. It is human nature when we are feeling overworked, overwhelmed, stressed, and frustrated that we do act out. So being grateful for acting out at times is powerful. I also love that it gives me an opportunity to have open and real conversations with my kids, and it gives me an opportunity to apologize and model owning my own behavior. I know for a lot of parents, when they do lose their cool, they lose their shit, they feel embarrassed and they want to blame that on their kids. And they might even go as far to say, Well, I'm sorry. That I did this. I'm sorry I yelled. I'm sorry I smacked you. I'm sorry I did this. But you made me. You did X, Y, Z. And that, in my opinion, is not really owning your behavior or a proper apology. If I get to the point where I lose my cool and I yell at the kids, I will go and apologize and I will say, I'm really sorry that I used a big voice. you know what, Mummy's feeling worried about something at work or I've got so many things to do and I was feeling frustrated and when you asked me to do something else, I got a bit upset and I shouldn't have. It's not your fault and I think that that's really important um, to own your behavior because then you're setting your kids up for that as well and you're modeling to them that no one is perfect and if they make a little mistake, to own it, apologize and move on. I also feel that the other gift in losing your cool is having the ability to sit in it and actually really assess why and how you got to that point and just identifying the true triggers and the true root cause. Often when we do act in a way that we're not proud of, it can be an instinct to just brush over that behavior or suffocate it, cover it up and move on from it. But really sitting with it and identifying what made that happen puts you back in the driver's seat and it allows you insight. And it means that you can course correct to try and minimize it from happening again. I don't think you'll ever eradicate it completely. I mean, maybe some very Zen-like people have, but I know myself, I feel as though I've minimized it, but it's never gone completely because I'm only human. But sitting with it and going, okay, why did I act like that? What is really going on? And just like in parenting, particularly with toddlers, I often say in our toddler life program that when it comes to behavioral issues such as meltdowns and tantrums, as parents, we often race to fix the symptom when really it's far more important to address the cause. And so the symptom may be the acting out but we need to address the actual cause and the root problem. And with little ones, it can often be as simple as the fact that they're dehydrated, that they're hungry or they're overtired. And similar to us as adults, sit down and think, what is causing me to feel this way? What is the true cause? Is it work stress? Is it financial stress? Is it coming from a disagreement you had within your family unit or being worried about your kids, worried about a friend. There are so many things that could be causing you to feel stressed. And I know as parents, we have so many tabs opened all the time that it just feels like we're constantly thinking, worrying, and you know, just caring for our families. It's a lot to carry. And just by simply thinking about what the real problem is and bringing awareness to it, it can shift things. And you just go, okay, you know what? Today, I'm actually feeling really close to the edge because of these, these three reasons. So I need to be extra conscious to not overreact. And that is me the week before my period because in the lead up to my period, I am just so much grumpier. I am far less patient and far more likely to be inclined to use a loud voice or to feel like I'm pushed over the edge or take things personally. But because I have that awareness and I know I know that in that week I'm more sensitive, I make modifications and I just have the awareness so I can remind myself, okay, the kids are actually not acting any differently to they do every week. It is me who is taking it differently. So I give myself more space to breathe and put things into place that when I'm feeling like I'm close to the edge, I have little actions I can take. And they're just simple things like I will exit the room and run some really cold water over my wrists, or I will splash some cool water on my face, just giving myself some space between reacting. And often it is, it's just a knee jerk reaction of getting frustrated and losing your cool. The other thing that I wanted to touch on when it comes to staying calm is just being aware that parenting actually is quite a highly stressful situation. I know that a lot of us think, oh, parenting should just come naturally. And there are so many parts of parenting that do feel natural. And I think just loving your kids is the most natural feeling in the world. But I also think that parenting involves skill, intention, and being conscious. And I totally understand there may be people out there who disagree with that. And that's totally, totally fine. But I guess for me, the more that I have a toolbox and a skill set that I can lean on, the better job I feel that I do. And of course, there's so much intuitive parenting as well. You know, there's things that you do when you lean into just from pure intuition and love, but it's also okay to actually have some concrete plans in place. And what I mean by concrete plans is having an actual plan of how you're going to cope when you feel like you are pushed to the edge. Because I honestly don't think that there would be many parents out there who could raise their hand and say, oh, no, I've never felt like my patience is tested. I think we all feel like that at times. And so identifying parenting is a high-stress situation, we can get to the point where we feel like we could go over to the edge. So let's have a plan in place, similar to emergency procedures. We all know that most companies, daycare centers, schools, places of employment, all that sort of stuff, they all have fire drills. They all have emergency procedures. Just like when you board an aircraft and you're told where the exits are and about the oxygen and everything like that. Because if something happens, if something goes south, you need to know what to do. And it is the same in parenting. When things start to go south, you need to know what you're going to do. And I am a big fan of having a physical written down plan somewhere that you can see. I used to keep a list on my fridge of things that I could do when I felt like I was just going stir crazy indoors or like I just wasn't coping with the kids. And at different ages, it's been different things. When the boys were really, really young, they both had colic, they both had reflux, they cried a lot. It was really, really tough. You know, Matt had 10 days off work and then I was on my own with these boys, and I did have help and support from immediate family, but I largely felt alone. And so the days would be really, really long with these two beautiful but screaming and exhausting babies. And so I had a little list there on my fridge, and it would be things like call your mum, FaceTime your mum. If I was feeling like, oh, I can't do it today, I'm a mess. And the kids were nonstop crying and I didn't know what else to do. Sometimes I would just put my mum on FaceTime and I didn't want her to say anything. I didn't need her to say anything, but I just needed someone to be witness to what was going on so I didn't feel alone. Some other things that I had listed out included popping the boys in a pram and walking around the block, taking the dog with us, of course, she always makes me happy. Other things such as just simply going and putting some cool water on my wrists or splashing my face with cool water, just little things to break my mood and break my thought and give me space between that kind of knee jerk reaction. Because for parents, that's what it often is it's explosive and we just get upset. One little thing pushes us over the edge. It's not like it's premeditated, it's not like we spend weeks thinking, okay, I'm going to lose my shit on Tuesday. It just happens. So putting some space in between yourself and your kids when you feel like you're getting to that point is beneficial. In toddler life, we also talk about the fact that time outs are much better for parents than they are for kids. So if your toddlers or your kids are old enough that you can exit the room or walk outside for 30 seconds and take some deep breaths, that's another great place to turn to. For myself, things that I do even now, and our boys are five, things I do now include going outside, getting out of the house, taking them obviously with me out of the house to a park, moving different rooms from inside the house. So if we're downstairs and they're getting on my nerves and I'm like, oh, I'll say, come on, guys, you're going to have a bath and we're going upstairs or come out into the backyard or whatever it is. It's just moving to a different physical location. Changing your physical state can change your mental state. Personally, I also lean heavily onto perspective and gratitude. I don't know what it is. Well, I do know what it is. But for me, I have always kept in mind that little boy, William Tyrrell, who went missing. He was the little guy in Spider-Man suit who they still don't know what happened to him I just think of him and I also think of Daniel Morecambe and also Maddie McCann, you know, famous children that have been taken from their families. And I just think to myself, oh, like imagine being those parents and imagine how much they would give anything, like give anything to have their child in front of them, pushing all of their buttons. And You know, I never want to minimize a parent's frustrations by saying, oh, you're lucky that you have kids that can annoy you because they can be very, very painful and it's okay to be frustrated. But I find deep gratitude really, really helpful. When you're in deep gratitude, you can't feel anything else. And it's so true. And I lean on that a lot in parenting and it's really, really helped me. So I thought I'd share that in case it's helpful for you as well.
0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: So literally creating your own little roadmap of what you're going to do is powerful. Sit down and think, okay, when I'm feeling this way, what steps am I going to take? And list out five or ten things that you can do, and make it a habit that you turn to that list. Or you're thinking, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose my cool. Quick, get your list out. Step one, what is step one? Is it go and wash your face? Is it quickly make a phone call to get support? Is it change locations? Whatever it might be, and then do those things. I also think it's important to envision being really, really proud of yourself. That's a big one for me. Whenever I have lost my cool in the past, particularly when the kids were more like three, I found three, a really hard age, I would think to myself, okay, so this was the situation and I didn't handle it in a way that I'm proud of. How would I handle it that I would feel proud? And then I would write that down. And so I would write, okay, I would get onto their level. I would speak calmly. I would practice some deep breathing. And then envision myself actually doing that so that next time when the situation happens, because it will happen and parenting is challenging and difficult at times, I at least had that memory of what I was going to do that would make me feel really, really proud. And I would give myself the little pat on the back, the little acknowledgement of going, you know what, you did what you envisioned you were going to do. So rather than suffocating guilt or pushing aside the fact that you have lost it, sit with it, identify what's going on, what are the true causes, and create an action plan moving forward. And just remember, sometimes it can be a gift getting to a point of frustration because there's always a lesson to be learned. In parenting, there is self-sacrifice. So I think that it's good to make self-preservation important as well. And self-preservation can come in the form of self-care and making sure that you're looking after yourself as well and not running yourself completely ragged. Because if your health isn't great, you're not going to be as patient as you would like to be. Similar to toddlers, we need to make sure that as adults, we are hydrated. We're also eating enough food and we're getting enough sleep. If you haven't listened to my podcast on Healthy Habits, Jump over and listen to that as well to just make sure you're ticking those boxes of looking after yourself as well, because that all, it all plays into how you react and act and engage or disengage with your family as well. You need to be filling up your own cup and practicing self-care as well. The next topic that I wanted to touch on is mum guilt. Guilt. Mum guilt is such a big topic and something that so many of us struggle with. And I'm sure that there is dad guilt as well. But mum guilt refers to feeling poorly, feeling bad, feeling inadequate, like you're not enough for something that you're lacking or not doing or not doing well in parenting. Mum guilt can come from anything. It can come from not feeling like you're feeding your kids well enough it can come from having to go back to work, not being able to give your child a sibling, going through a separation. There are so many things that can trigger mum guilt. And I do not have the number one magic answer. All I can offer are my thoughts and my experiences on the topic. I wanted to share that for me, over the years when I have felt that niggle of mum guilt, My first go-to defense is to actually identify what is the fear. So I certainly felt a little bit guilty when it came time to putting the boys into daycare. And for me, I felt like, what is the fear? And I had to sit with that. What is causing me to feel bad about this? And it was a couple of different things, you know. I felt concerned and I felt fearful that I wouldn't be able to find the right center. I felt afraid that their needs wouldn't be met. I felt afraid that they would be missing me and some other things as well. But the point is identifying the fears helped me to actually have a logical conversation with those fears. So whilst I had guilt, which was fear, because I think that the root of guilt is fear, one of my fears was not finding the right daycare center. So listing that out on paper and going, okay, I'm afraid of that. So let's have a logical conversation. What can I do to negate that fear? What can I offer in response to that fear? Okay, I can visit every single daycare within a certain kilometer radius. I can be armed with the right questions. I can do my due diligence. I can speak to other parents. I can go in with the kids for a couple of days to really just sort of settle my fears surrounding finding the right daycare center. There's these things that I can do. And so once I was able to have this logical conversation with each fear point, that helped my mum guilt to dissipate. So if you yourself are experiencing mum guilt or you have waves of it, Just asking yourself, what is the real fear and having a conversation surrounding it just with yourself, having a bit of a debate. What can you offer for the affirmative? What can you do to negate that fear? I know a big one is returning to the workforce for a lot of mums. I get so many messages and emails and even in our forums, parents saying, I have to go back to work and I feel so guilty about it. So actually listing out what do you feel guilty about? What is the fear? Is the fear not having enough quality time with your child? Is the fear not finding the right daycare center? Is the fear that the money's not worth it? Write down what are you afraid of and then sit on each point and have a conversation about it because you might go, okay, you know what, I'm actually really afraid of of not having quality time with my son or my daughter. So what can I do to manage that? You can write out Saturday and Sunday is going to be our quality family time and I'm going to delete social media so I can give my child my full attention or I'm not going to have any commitments booked in on a Saturday and Saturday will be our special family day. Actually taking an action makes the biggest difference in my opinion. I think the anecdote to so many dilemmas is action. Move forward and I've said this a thousand times, action builds evidence and evidence builds confidence in your decisions and that was a saying that was mentioned at one of our events by a lady called Rachel McDonald and it has just stayed with me. Take an action. Don't let the guilt consume you or take away the things that you do really, really well. If you're feeling guilt just over general mum life, like you just feel like you're not doing that well, rather than focusing on the things that you feel you're failing at or you're not quite getting the mark at, literally list out, and I know I'm such a big list person, but I just think physical evidence and taking an action is so powerful, but literally write down what you do well. Because so many mums don't realize all the things that they do every single day that they are doing well. They just dwell on the things that they didn't do right. They go, oh, I forgot to put their hat in their school bag. But they don't counteract that with going, well, you know what? I got them up on time. I made their breakfast. I got them in the car. I gave them a kiss. I gave them a cuddle. We had a laugh. Like, just focus on what you do well as well or more so. Than what you're not doing as well as you imagine you should be. And often it is just your imagination. You imagine that you don't stack up as well against other parents. So important to be aware of the saying, comparison is the thief of joy. Don't compare yourself to other mothers or fathers because you just never know the full story. Surround yourself with parents that you can have honest conversations with And really open up and you will feel less alone and you will understand so many parents experience those feelings of guilt and worry and just having too many tabs opened at once. None of us are absolutely nailing every single area. And often the things that we feel mum guilt about, like returning to work or perhaps going through a separation or whatever it is, often there's a lesson to be learned in those things. You may feel like you have intense guilt about going back to work, but you're actually showing your child the value of working hard, or you might have intense guilt that your relationship didn't work out. But hey, you now have the opportunity to show your son or daughter how to navigate a separation, hopefully with a little bit of grace, and showing them that they are still so important to you and still so loved. There's just so many things that you can learn And show your kids. And remember, we are role models whether we like it or not. And you wouldn't want your little ones to be walking around feeling guilt over things that they can't control. You would want them to let that go. So afford yourself the same pleasure of letting mum guilt go as much as you possibly can. And when you do feel the waves of it, ask yourself what is the true fear and have a logical conversation and back yourself. There really are so many gifts that come out of not feeling like you're doing the best thing possible. And like I said at the start of the podcast, when you lose your cool, it gives you so much empathy. Well, it gives you the opportunity to bring awareness and empathy to the fact that your kids are human as well and that they go through their own set of struggles. And that brings me to my next topic, which is parenting without your ego invested in your child. And I wanted to just kind of tack this topic on the end. Because a lot of parents get in touch with us and say, I'm so embarrassed by the way that my child's acting or my child bit another child and I'm I'm mortified. I don't know what I've done wrong. And it's so important that parents understand that kids will act like kids and it is not a reflection of the way that you parent. Of course, I stand by the fact that I always say we are role models to our kids, But we also have to expect age-appropriate behavior at times. And this can vary from babies to toddlers to children and beyond. But just having an awareness that whilst your babies came from you, they are not you. And you don't need to take ownership for their behavior. Of course, you want to model good behavior and course correct and help and support them. But don't think that just because your child bites, it is a reflection of your parenting. They may be going through communication frustration or teething or a whole list of other things. It's so important to separate your ego from your parenting because I think that it makes us better parents. And and an example that I've shared before is my boys can be quite introverted and can present to be quite shy and one of them can certainly present to be a little more anxious than the other. And now when we're in social situations like a kid's birthday party, He will retreat. He doesn't want to play the games. He doesn't want to be the center of attention. He doesn't want to get involved. He wants to sit on the sidelines. And I know for some parents, they really struggle with that and they think, oh, like other parents at this party might think that I'm not doing a good job because my son or daughter doesn't want to be involved or I'm just letting them sit on the sidelines. But when you remove your ego and you go, actually, it's not a reflection of me, it's a reflection of what my child needs in this moment. It allows you to just have so much more empathy and patience for them. And of course, we all have hopes and dreams for our kids and what we think is the ideal way to act. But actually just separating your ego and taking it as a reflection or taking it personally as an attack or representation on yourself is really, really powerful. It allows us to just see them as individuals and be there for them without any predisposition on how they should be or should act. I've been in so many different conversations with parents, both in real life and also online, where parents will say, I just want my child to be happy, but he needs to, she needs to, you know, fill in the blanks. And whilst, of course, we always want our children to grow and develop, it's so important that we really stand by the fact. If you say, I just want my child to be happy, to really, really mean it, And to nurture their own individual needs and personality. Not, I want my child to be happy so he needs to be on a soccer team. Or, I want my child to be happy so she needs to get straight A's. It's, I want my child to be happy and what lights them up. Because after all, it is really, really easy to tie your identity and your happiness up into your kids. But like I've said before in podcasts, at events, and even on social media, our kids can of course make us feel happy, but they cannot be our only source of happiness. They cannot be our only source of pride or identity. It is way too much pressure on their little shoulders, or on anyone's shoulders for that instance. It's the same with your partner. You know, your partner can make you happy, but they can't be your only source of happiness. And these are topics that I explore in other podcasts. So if you haven't listened to those, definitely go back and listen in and let me know what you think. I would love to hear from you. If you listen to the podcast, definitely jump over and leave me a comment on Instagram, which is at Kylie Camps, or upload a story right now of where you are what you're doing and tag me in it because it literally makes me so happy to see people listening to this podcast as a podcast junkie myself I get a real kick knowing that other people are listening in so I thank you for sharing and I can't wait to keep sharing more with you and I'll chat with you soon make sure you jump over and you are following the kind parenting company over on instagram as well
0: Thanks for joining me in listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed this content and are looking to dive deeper into the support that The Kind Parenting Company offers parents and caregivers, you will love the range of programs we have available. The range includes online programs for supporting baby and toddler sleep, most suitable for babies aged 0 to 24 months, and also Toddler Life, which is a guide for those raising children aged 2 to 4 years. Each program comes with access to video and audio files, as well as the opportunity to join the community forums. Podcast listeners receive 20% off all programs. Simply visit the Kind Parenting Company website and use the code KPCPODCAST20, that's KPCPODCAST20 at checkout.